Hello and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and to talk about this issue's cover is the associate editor Kuku Paul. Hi Kuku, it's been a long long time. Hi Abhishek. And this time we also have with us the editor himself Indrajit Gupta or IG as he's known. Hi IG, always nice to have you. Thank you Abhishek. Pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. And this issue is a special one where Forbes India acknowledges the contributions of some of the best business leaders in the country and felicitates them with the Forbes India Leadership Awards or the Fila Awards. And Kuku, a few days back when I had visited your office, you were eyeballs deep in the project and you, you had a brochure in one hand. You were discussing certain things with the design team. You had your emails open and the talk revolved around Fila. How has it been the past couple of weeks or a month for you guys there? Oh, it's been crazy, Abhishek. I mean, this is our second year for the Forbes India Leadership Award, what we call FILA. And uh, we have had a longer lead time because we knew what to expect this time. So we started very much in advance. Most of the time was in the vetting of the names, as you would know, because we're always looking for newer names and better names in various categories. We have 10 categories that span the whole uh, cross-section of uh, corporate India, really, starting from startups and then going up to large companies and PSUs as well. And we also look at companies doing good work, so companies with social impact. So most of the time was in preparing the nominations and then the next stage was the jury meeting where we had an eminent jury led by Mr. Kamath to vet these names. So we by then whittled out the names to five names in each category. We had KPMG as our knowledge partners this time to help us with the process and then the jury chose the 10 winners. So that's how it's been. And I don't think you've got a second to breathe uh, until the event. And we are recording this just before the event. But any lessons that you could gather from the first one? Anything different that one can expect this time around in the cover? We are far better prepared. Even the issue, we have a theme this time. And our theme is uh, seeing what's next. And the profiles that we have of the 10 winners are built around this theme. So we're telling 10 stories of people and how, they, how they're seeing the future. Right. And we'll talk about a few of those stories very shortly. But before that, IG, this one's for you. Leadership awards can be tricky because sometimes, you know, some companies, you felicitate them in one particular year. For all we know, that company might go down and bleed money in the years to come, might go bankrupt or maybe worse, be part of a scam. And of course, there are times when the company goes from strength to strength. But how do you manage to tread that line about which company to pick or do you just dive into let's concentrate on the present? That's a fair question and that's something that really occupies our mind a lot when we're kind of building the whole set of nominees every year. But there are two or three ways that in which you can de-risk it. One is that the categories are kind of picked and defined are typically the kind of categories and that are in alignment with the magazine's charter. So these are things that we do on a regular basis ourselves. These are stories and ideas and lenses through which you look at business are very close to what the magazine's about. So a lot of the nominees suggest themselves because these are entrepreneurs and business leaders that we've written about in the past and are fairly familiar with their work and their performance. The other issue is really around careful vetting, which is where KPMG's contribution comes in as much as our own work. The knowledge partner does play a huge role, very carefully going through each and every nomination. The third one is really around the fact that we look at sustainability very, very clearly. So it's not just a one-year's flash-in-the-pan performance that we're interested in. 
we're looking at at least a three-year performance because that more or less gives you a good sense. So you do have a robust set of metrics which are both qualitative as well as quantitative, which we've kind of built assiduously over the last two years. And then you depend on the wisdom of the jury, because with people of the stature of K.V. Kamath, Adil Zainul Bhai, Akhil Gupta, Zia Modi, and uh, Dr. J.J. Rani and Raghav himself, you do have the knowledge that's available to really know how to differentiate between one high performer and another. So one of the things that, uh, to your point, that the jury under Mr. Kamath did this year, was that they stepped back and saw and reviewed last year's winners to see how they performed. And, and it's an incredible story because all of them have gone from strength to strength. If you remember the startup of the year, which is the most high-risk category really, we gave it to Rahul Bhatia of Indigo and look at where he is today. He is India's largest airline company and what an entrepreneurial story. Absolutely. It also drives home the point when one of the bigger players, like Kingfisher, for instance, is not doing too well. So he's in an industry where there are players who are going down, and yet he's, in your words, going from strength to strength. So who's the entrepreneur of the year this time that the jury has picked? Kuku, IG, one of you? Kuku, one of you. The entrepreneur of the year is our flagship category, literally, and that is the award which we generally define as an owner entrepreneur. And the winner this year is Kumar Mangalam Birla. Drum rolls. So he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Why Kumar Mangaram Birla? Why? Because we know that he's been successful for so many years. But are there any points that made him better than a few others? Because family-owned businesses, there are quite a few in India. So why Mr. Birla? The reason, uh, Abhi, for this choice is largely, especially the way the jury looked at it also, was uh, the way he's handled such a complex range of businesses and how he's brought them up. He's in about 15 different businesses from metals to telecom, as you know. That's been the case, but he's moved into a lot of new economy businesses. And what he's done is that in the recent past, quite a large amount of the growth is coming through acquisitions. And this is not only in India, but he's clearly a very, very global player now with operations uh, spanning about 30-odd countries where he's bought companies or bought assets. And like his last bought pantaloons and that deal is not yet through, but uh, that was a 1600 crore deal. So we, you know, looked at this closely and and found that there are a lot of uh, things that he is doing differently. That was the reason that the jury, among really among a very strong lineup, they chose Kumar Just to kind of add to that, if you see the way that he's kind of built what I'd call an activist corporate center, which gives enough independence to the businesses, but is able to steer the larger strategy. And what is the strategy? It's really taking an entrepreneurial call on the kind of shape of the portfolio, of the business portfolio, despite the fact that they made some fairly early calls in 2007 to make fairly humongous M&A decisions, including the novelist group. A lot of other Indian business groups have slowed down because they've had difficulty in digesting some of those M&As. He's gone ahead and continued that M&A spree, and they've done it in a very well-thought-out, methodical sort of way, which I think is, to my mind, exemplary. You just mentioned about a company which has established and hence the challenges of an established company to grow are quite different. Another company that you have felicitated is another person is Mr. Nitin Paranspe. He gets the best CEO award for HUL. Now, IT, you've studied strategy in the past when you were back in your college days. I would want to know a little bit about what explains the success of some companies like HUL. 
where for instance in your article mr paranspe he is not just been able to meet the shareholders demands that is by making the quarter as they say or meeting the quarter but also the long term growth uh, he's been able to do that so what separates a few ceos from others and he happens to be the best ceo on your on your list yeah so i think i've studied lever for many years now so and i can tell you nitin paranspe would qualify as one of the finest leaders that we have today and i think what separates him from the rest of his peers two or three things one is he was able to i think sequence his moves very very carefully so which meant that he had to address the first question why is lever in a uncompetitive situation what does it need to do to get out of it and so once that was done he started thinking about the future so you've got to sequence it because in the middle of trouble if you start thinking about the future you are likely to lose control of operations and also do very poorly going forward so i think that was smart the other at the end of the day organizations are a function of people right and we keep saying this but you got to believe in it and i think the lever story is reflected very clearly there i mean they were losing their pole position on campuses they've made a remarkable comeback today they're very much back on day 0 or day 1 as it's often called on placement season in some of the leading campuses i think that tells you a story that you got to look at growth hand in hand with people issues as well if people grow the company will grow too so i think nitin's uh, whole focus has been on building future capabilities what are the capabilities that you need to have today which will help you to compete better in the future so in some ways future ready i think that's what really makes him stand out and he's a great human being more than more than anything else right and also in the in the public sector if we move on from the private sector you have bank of baroda Mr MD Malaya who's been awarded as the best CEO now kuku generally a company in the public sector is perceived to be a far more slow moving one as compared to the private sector one so the challenges there are quite different so would Mr Malaya's achievement be a little more daunting as compared to his private sector CEOs absolutely yeah, abhi because and that was the sentiment among the jury as well when this category was being discussed and it's about kind of making it and making it in spite of the system because the challenges for a psu are far higher in so many ways and even the norms that they have on capital adequacy and even on lending are at times different from that of the private sector even the calls they have to take at times are whether they like it or not it's influenced by other factors i mean to do with government agenda and stuff like that so in this case mr malya the cmd of bank of baroda is clearly somebody who has been able to be head over shoulders over other public sector banks and competing head on with the private sector and despite the financial meltdown he managed to not only keep the performance of the bank stable but he has also been able to grow the bank control the quality of assets that he has had and on all the vital parameters he has been outstanding and that's that's why he's a fila winner also vishak you got to remember that it's also a unionized environment so doing anything transformational in an environment where there is always that divide between management and staff is always a difficult thing but he was able to build i think confidence internally with people the rank and file by going to their uh, branches doing town halls boosting their motivation levels and giving them confidence that all of them were part of the bank and also when we come to numbers i read in the profile that in the four years that he was at the helm the profits doubled absolutely and also another company in the private sector is is TCS we all know about the company but what i didn't know is although i knew that it employs quite a number of people it has 2.25 lakh employees i see that's like two eden gardens and half a one k day i know you follow cricket 
So, so this, and your profile also does not talk about profits and all of that, but it focuses on communication. That, that was quite interesting. Could you take us through why TCS and why Chandrasekharan? Yeah, so I think Chandrasekharan and TCS largely because they've had an outstanding, I think, three-year run, clearly, ever since he took over. But more than that, I think, I mean, they're not content uh, having delivered these numbers. I think they're thinking seriously about the future. The point that you made about 2.25 lakh people, I think Chandra, more than anyone else, is very conscious that despite the fact that they're almost like a huge elephant, they need to learn how to dance. And how do you kind of play to a very, very different tune now? Most, I mean, 70% of TCS, I suspect, is below the age of whatever, 30, I would imagine. And if you have CEOs, 50s, are unable to kind of arouse them, motivate them, and move them to the next level, you will fail. Now, his point is, I think, there's a big opportunity to do that if you were to embrace the same digital tools that are changing the way that we communicate and work. A lot of it is to do with social media. Over the weekends, all of us are on our Twitter, on Facebook, and when we come into work the next morning, on a Monday morning, we kind of face with ERP solutions and what have you. There is a disconnect there. How do you bridge that? He actually showed us some of the apps that they've devised, which are obviously closed group kind of apps, almost mimicking the kind of things we see on Twitter or on Foursquare or other things that are changing the way that they work. I think he's taken the call that a large percentage of tomorrow's population will have smartphones and you don't need to be physically necessarily present in office to be able to contribute and work. And so obviously these apps are just one part of the tip of the iceberg. But he's saying that can we kind of embrace these digital tools and become a digital organization over the next two or three years? And that will be a huge transformational change for a company as large as TCS. And how do you get the best ideas to come out from the people themselves? And, and you mentioned that he's 50 and almost all of TCS is less than 30. But we can easily bet that in a marathon or a 500-meter dash, I don't think many will be able to compete with him. So that he's measuring that as well, incidentally. There's an app that allows him to track how his group, a group of five or six people who run with him, are actually performing. So the boss is watching. <laughs> Absolutely. And there is another category which was quite interesting. The, the phrase was quite interesting, I thought, is that of conscious capitalist. It seems more like an oxymoron when you hear it for the first time, but it, it goes to Mr. Y.K. Hamid from SIPLA. What is that category about? Actually, Abhid, this goes to SIPLA and, of course, Y.K. Hamid, who's, who's behind it. So this is the only category, in fact, where we award a company. The way we analyze this one is we look at how the company's behavior is on various parameters. In the other cases, it's largely performance measured, but here it is also how the company is performing in terms of its relationship with all its stakeholders, whether it's the employees or the suppliers or lenders. Suppose they acquire land from somebody, in what way, what are the practices that it follows, and uh, things like that. So we look at a company that is really conscious. In this case, Sipla won it hands down, and Mr. Hamid has kind of set new standards really in the pharma industry by drastic cutting down prices of uh, AIDS retroviral drugs to begin with and he's doing the same thing with cancer drugs. I mean giving the MNCs uh, something to think about. That of course was the primary point around this but also for SIPLA for, for the other ways in which it conducts itself. So it kind of buttresses the point that you can do good and do well at the same time. I mean SIPLA is perhaps one of the best performing pharma companies as well in India. Dr. Hamid is a pioneer in that respect. Uh, multinationals perhaps don't like him for that, but <laughs> he's really a passionate believer in 
the fact that the benefits of healthcare should reach the people who need it most. Absolutely. A little bit of that goes back to what Mr. Subroto Bakshi said a few podcasts ago about, you know, how you, you can be good and yet make profits. Absolutely. And I also see that there are a few lesser known companies, for instance, uh, Opto Circuits, uh, headed by Mr. Vinod Ramnani, who's one of the next gen entrepreneur, and also a couple of others. So how did you spot some of the smaller companies or the companies that are not exactly household names? To start with, we opened this up in the beginning of the year to all the Forbes writers. And we have people covering different areas and uh, many of them keep an open notebook and an eye open through the year to spot companies that are exceptional performers. And then they all send in their nominations. So that is one part. And then we have this time KPMG doing the same thing with their own sort of bunch of names. And then we put them all together and then put them through various metrics and shortlisted them. So that was it was not just a four-week or a three-month activity. And the Life Achievement Award, I think it was one of my favorite stories from your issue, which went to Mr. Sridharan, who's at, when I read that he's 80 and he's still up and about and he's widely credited for the success at Konkan Railway and Delhi Metro, it was quite something. Oh, Abhi, he's 80 and he's building another metro railway in Kochi now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an incredible story. I think, uh, you know, I think uh, it's very rare to have public servants of his uh, ability and stature, uh, who really become role models. I mean, if you remember, uh, witnessed the movie Manthan the other day uh, together, right? Uh, where we celebrated the life of uh, Varghese Kurian. I think Dr. Sridharan is also in that same mold, but he's still giving back at his age. He's, I believe, just joined the Tata Trust as a trustee, and uh, he's contributing what he's learned to really help philanthropic activity of the class and caliber of the Tatas, apart from doing work with the Kochi Metro and the Chennai Metro and incredible energy. You have to respect that. Yes, and also I read that he was always willing to be transferred to any other location if, if the officials didn't like him. So it comes with a big trade-off, uh, with a big heart where the end of the month, the salary that you get credited is, is not important as much as the job is. True. I think it's just about doing the right thing. If you believe that you're doing the right thing, you don't worry about the consequences. And I think that's what really is the hallmark of a transformational leader, that you don't think about what could happen to you. You look at what is best in the interests of the institution that you serve. I think that's incredible. Just one last question is that what is a common thread that binds all these people? One that I could spot is it's, it's a mix of businessmen and entrepreneurs from both the public sector, private sector. Some of them are young, like Mr. Birla is only 45. Mr. Sridharan is 80. It's diverse in a way, but there definitely is a common thread. So what is it that you believe is a thread that binds all 10 winners? One thing I would like to say is that they're head over shoulders above everyone else in a sort of landscape that at times we lament of people being, say, risk averse or people being mediocre in their choices. These are people who've demonstrably kind of have been able to take the calls that have worked out better than everyone else. So these are just outstanding people, really. I'd say that, I mean, these are folks who don't necessarily travel down the path that others have. I mean, they, I think, create their own trail and they carry people with them in that journey because I think that's important. You, you, this is not about celebrating one-man armies, but these folks really lead, in some cases, as we've seen in the TCS case, I mean, lakhs of people. So they become role models because of the values that they uphold and they have a very, very clear view of what the future holds and they, they build organizations keeping that in mind. Great. I think on that note, it's it's time to wrap up. Thanks a lot, Kuku and IG, for your time. Thank you. Thank Good you, Ajay. 
and all you listeners you can get this podcast on forbesindia.com as well as the indicast.com it's also on itunes so just type in forbes india on the top right search window and to have somebody contact you to subscribe to the forbes magazine just message forbes to 51818 